Acts, and uh, I'm just going to launch from this place. We're not going to spend hardly any time here, but I want to launch from it. Acts chapter 10, some of you may already kind of be able to, to quote it or use it, but why don't you join with me in the book of Acts chapter 10. Let's look at just the first three verses. First three verses says this. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. And here's the key. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Devout man, prayed, gave alms. Does anybody know what happens to Cornelius in the book of Acts chapter 10? What happened? He got the Holy Ghost. Why did he need the Holy Ghost? He was a good man. He was a devout man. He gave his alms, but yet somehow he still needed the Holy Ghost, which I've preached it, and there's been countless preachers that's preached it too, but, but the, the statement is simple. Even good men need saving. Even good men need saving. And I don't, I'm, I'm not going to go any further there because I actually want to start and, and spend most of the time in the Old Testament, but I just want to kind of let this be a thesis, that, and this is not my title, but just remember, even good men that devoutly pray and give their alms, they still need saving. And I, I want to preach to you this, this, this phrase, being blessed is not enough. Being blessed is not enough. If you have your Bibles, I want to in, encourage you. In fact, I'm, I want us just to, if you'll turn there and then we're going to pray and then I'll let you be seated after we pray because I'm going to spend a lot of time in the book of Genesis and we're going to kind of go through it and we're going to let the story of some of the things that happened in Abraham's life come alive. So if you would turn with me to the book of, of Genesis and let's start in, in chapter 16 and when you get that, why don't you just stick a finger uh, in, in Genesis chapter 16 and I want you to join with me and I want you to pray this. Would you say, Lord, would you let your word speak to me? Lord. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we have worshipped you, we have walked into your presence, and we have allowed ourselves to be touched by your spirit, but now we need the most important thing we can ever get, and that is we need your word. And I pray right now that you would allow me, your servant, to give the word of God as you have poured into me, as I have seen and studied. I pray that you would let your word speak, O oh God, and would you allow us to receive it in the mighty name of Jesus, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm going to say it once again. I love the word of God. And uh, the more I'm in it, the more I study it, the more I see it. And I'm convinced, in fact, I, I, I sit in the midst, Brother, Brother uh, Harpole, how, how long have you been a minister? 50 years. Have you exhausted the knowledge of the Bible yet? Not yet. I could go through, it just amazes me, no matter how much I read it, no matter how much I study it, I still see new things. That doesn't mean there are new things. Be very careful when someone says, I got a new revelation. Just, just let me help you out. Be really careful when somebody tries to say, I got something new, because to be honest, there's nothing new. The Bible's right there. Everything you need is in there. It's just, it's an alive book. It just keeps growing. It just keeps, uh, it allows us to keep seeing it, and we keep learning. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth. And, uh, those of you who like to read 
and, and I, I confess I love to read, I, I need to do more of it. Sometimes I, I kind of let those things fade, but I enjoy reading. And, and one of the, the marks of a great book, and, and I, I don't necessarily like reading nonfiction books too much. I like the fictions. I, I like uh, Louis L'Amour. That's, that's my favorite author in the entire world. I like uh, uh, Tom Clancy books. I like things like that. One thing that, I, here's how I know a book is good. When I can read it all the way through and then turn to page one and start all over again without stopping and it still excites me. The Bible is like that. And, and I, was, I was looking through some things in the book of Genesis and I, I want to do my best. Uh, there's this word that we need to come in contact with. The word is called a covenant. We don't use that a lot, late, uh, a lot now. Unfortunately, in today's society, you know, uh, if you read Louis L'Amour, if you read those westerns, you, you hear this quite often, a man's word is his bond. It, it used to be the norm that if you walked up to somebody and you said, I'm going to do this, you did it. And if you couldn't do it, you explain what happened, what, what, what transpired. But, you know, unfortunately now, that's that just not necessarily the case. It's, it's kind of lost that. But a covenant is an agreement between two parties that, that has stipulations and, and the understanding is that, that you hold to the, the wording of that covenant and, and, and it should be something that, that doesn't get broken. It should be something that, that if, if, if someone says, I'm going to do this, and all the stipulations are met in that contract or that covenant, then it comes to pass. In Abraham's life, well, first off, I could, I could take you to one covenant. I could take you back to uh, Noah, the book of, or book of Genesis, not the book of Noah, but the book of Genesis. And there you can find that uh, one of the first covenants that God made is the Noahic covenant and that's the one where where after Noah and his family got off the ark God coveted with them God uh, basically contracted with them and said never again will I destroy the earth by a flood however there will be a day when I will destroy the earth by fire. That's a covenant. And guess what? Even though there's been some floods, and if you've ever been in a flood, I know Brother uh, Hickey, he lives really close to the Mississippi River, and his home has, has been flooded out. And in fact, I think they had to rebuild once, and now their home is, is built up. So even if it floods, it doesn't hit the, the main level. And, and I understand there are times that we see a flood, but the earth is not being destroyed by those floods. It might be a localized regional flood, but God has kept his promise. But in the book of Abraham, in the book of Genesis, when we get to Abraham, I'm going to get it today, I'll get it together. In the book of Genesis, when we get to Abraham, you find in, in Genesis chapter 12, and I, I hope you have your Bibles there. I want you to kind of turn with me and 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 can I just can I just help you out? I I'm I'm a techno. Uh, uh, I, I, I love technology. I, I enjoy it. I've got all the cool gadgets on my phones. I've, I've got a cool computer. I enjoy all of that. But uh, I got a little guilty of letting my Bible become just what I have and hold on my phone. And, and I just want to encourage you today. You need to bring a Bible to church. I know that's, that's, that's kind of old school, but it would really help you to bring a Bible to church, especially one that, that, that you can write in. Bring a pen, and, and when, you, when you 
are reading your Bible, you write some notes in it. Or when someone's preaching, you, you kind of keep that Bible open on your lap. It's real hard to do that on your phone. And so I'd like to encourage you to do that because you'd be amazed at how much more the Bible will come alive if you would do that. And uh, in fact, even as I was studying, I found things that preachers here at the Lighthouse and other places had preached, and I'd written it down, and it just kind of brings it all together. But in the book of Genesis chapter 12, you, you, you have the start of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And God calls Abraham, and I want you to look, it says, The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, basically leave your country, and your kindred. Now, I'm not going to preach about this, but I, I came across it. it. It deserves its own sermon pretty quickly. But, but just, I want you to remember, the Lord said, leave even your kindred. And, and come out and, and, and leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and, I will, uh, and those that dishonor you I will curse, and in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. It was a covenant. Now, here's, here's the kind of the free part of the sermon. Abraham leaves, and he takes Lot, his brother's son, with him. Now, I would just like to tell you that Lot caused Abraham a lot of problems. Lot had to rescue Abraham one time. Lot got caught up in all of this, the, the sin and the debauchery of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and all of that. And, and I'd just like to tell you right now, if God says leave, if God says separate yourself from someone, if God says I'm calling you out, why don't you follow everything he says and not try to pick and choose what it is because when Abraham chose to take one of his kindred it caused him problems it's amazing God knows what he's talking about but but I digress Let, let's get back in this Abraham passes through this is verse 6 of, of Genesis chapter 12 Abraham passes through the land to the place of Sheshem near the oak of Moriah or Morah and at the time the Canaanites were in the land and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said and this is key to your offspring I will give this land. Abraham was, was, was receiving a covenant from the Lord and that covenant was a form of salvation. And so it was, if you begin to get into, uh, into Genesis chapter 13, you find that, that in verse 14 of Genesis 13, and the Lord said to Abram after Lot separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Look north, look south, east and west. For all of the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. And I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, then your offspring can also be counted. Arise and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to thee. It was a covenant. And Abraham is, is, is receiving this covenant. And Abraham is hearing this covenant. In fact, let's take it a step further. Genesis chapter 15. That the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield and your reward shall be great. Abraham says, but I have a problem. You keep telling me that I, I, my, my descendants are going to be just like the sand on the seashore, but yet I continue childless, and, and I don't have even an heir. In fact, the heir of my house, if I died right now, all I have would go to a servant by the name of Eliezer. 
And the word of the Lord came and said, That man, that servant is not your heir, but it will be your very own son that shall be your heir. And the Lord brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number the stars, then so shall your offspring be. And the Bible says that Abram believed in the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. And then you have a, a covenant. There was a, a common thing in, in these, these times uh, that Abraham lived that right now if you went to buy a car or buy a house or if you were going to sign a contract, you, they bring out a piece of paper and it's really thick and hopefully you do your due diligence and read all the fine print. But, but at the end, they're going to have these little places and an X and sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. And then a lot of times it's notarized and that is the sealing of the covenant. But in Abraham's day, there was a different sealing of a covenant. In fact, what they would do if I was going to uh, become, if, if I was going to have a contract between Norm and I, what we would do is I would take an animal uh, and I would split that animal. I'd kill it and I'd split that animal in half and I'd lay it on either side and we would walk through that, 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 that split carcass and we would shake hands in the middle of that and it signified that if either one of us broke the covenant, let us be like this, this, this cow. Just cut us, kill us, let it be. That's how important they kept the covenant. And so it was that Abraham took some animals. The Bible says he took a heifer three years old and a female goat three years old and a ram three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he cut them in half, half and he laid each half over against the other. And, and when the birds of prey would come down to the carcasses, Abram drove them away. He said, no, no, I don't want anything messing with this covenant. I don't want anything messing with the sacrifice that I am making. And the sun went down and Abraham fell asleep. In the middle of that sleep, a great dreadful darkness fell on him. The Bible says that the Lord appeared and he said, I want to tell you, Abraham. I, I, and he begins to kind of prophesy and foretell that they would have to go to Egypt and live in a land that was not their own. But one day, after 400 years would pass, that, that God would bring that people out and bring them back to the land that Abraham was promised. And then when the sun went down and it was dark, what looked like a smoking fire pot, what looked like a flaming torch passed through those halves of a sacrifice. It was God making a covenant with Abram. I am going to bless and I'm going to take your offspring and it will be great even though Abraham had great faith. And you can see that in the book of Hebrews. The problem was Abraham lost sight of the promise of God when Sarah, Abram's wife, came in and said, you know, I'm old and I don't have any children and, and, and you know, I'm way past childbearing age. Yet I know that God has promised. I know that God has coveted or, or covenanted with us and he, he's made a promise that he will give us an heir. But God needs help that's what he said by the way if you ever start saying that you're in a heap of trouble we live in a day and age where people claim Christianity yet they do everything outside of the word of God and they we, we, I have a friend of mine that that is is a a, a minister yet yet he he faithfully claims that God made him wrong. That God made him to like men rather than to like women, which is a heterosexual relationship. 
can I tell you that if you are, 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 are saying God made me wrong, yet you claim to worship him, you're worshiping an ignorant God. Why would you want to worship someone that made you wrong? Why would you ever think God needs any help? God doesn't need help, but Abraham got caught up in this. And Sarah said, I have an idea. How about I give you my handmaid and you can go in into her and you can sleep with her and you can conceive with her. And, and then as the custom was, not necessarily God's custom, but, but you know, she's a slave, she's property, she belongs to, to us. And, and then you can claim the child for your own. And Abraham got outside the covenant. Ishmael was conceived through Abraham and Hagar. And it was there and, and, and they began to, to happen. Of course, you, you can only imagine Sarah who can't have any children begins to get very jealous of Hagar. She starts to show and, and, and it's obvious that she is expecting a child and, and Sarah gets very bitter and very mad and kicks uh, Hagar out of it and says, just leave. And so Hagar is running, if you will, for her life and running into the wilderness and she's all by herself with a child. And, and in that, the Lord says that, or the Bible says the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where are you coming from and where are you going? And she replies, probably with tears in her eyes, I'm leaving because Sarah has dealt with me harshly and, and I'm, I'm fleeing, I'm, I'm all by myself. And the Lord says, no, no, go back to her. But because of that, I will multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. And even though, and, and, and behold, you're pregnant and you shall bear a son, you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction. It was a blessing, if you will. Later on, you, you find another place where, where uh, after Abraham and, 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 and Isaac, or after Isaac is born, uh, that it still never kind of gets right between Sarah and Hagar. And, and so, you know, you got Ishmael on one side, and he's the oldest. You have Isaac, who's the promised child, and you know they're fighting back and forth, and and Ishmael probably makes fun of Isaac, and and there's just all of this dysfunction. And so finally, uh, Ishmael and Hagar leave, and they go, and they're they're out again in the wilderness, and they've ran out of water. And Hagar puts Ishmael under a bush and she goes down a few uh, 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 paces away and she feels like we're just going to die out here in the wilderness. And again, God comes down and the Bible says in verse 17 of, of Genesis 21, and God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for the Lord has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Lift up the boy and hold fast with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. There was a blessing on Ishmael. Now we know they had problems later on. Ishmael is, is where we get the, 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 uh, uh, the, the Islamic nations. They come out of the lineage of Ishmael. We understand that the reason the Jews and the Islamics are fighting so much is because of what happened there in, in Hagar and, and, and Isaac and Ishmael and Abraham. But I, I've got to take you to another place and I'm, I'm kind of getting somewhere here in a moment. I want you to look at verse or chapter 17. And I want you to look at verse 7. 
again, God comes down to Abram. And he says to Abram, he says, I will establish my covenant between you and your offspring. Later on, he says, uh, he says, as for Sarah, your wife, no more will you call her Sarah, but call her Sarah. It shall be your name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she will become nations, and kings of people shall come from her, which is Sarah. Abraham laughs and says, ain't a chance. We're old. Our, the womb is dried up. She's 90 years old. I'm 100 years old. There's not a chance. Why don't you let Ishmael live before you? I've already kind of worked a way out, God, for this covenant to happen. Just let Ishmael be the covenant. And the Lord says this, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for all of his offspring after him. And, and as for Ishmael, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He will father 12 princes. I will make him a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac. Here's what I'm getting at, and I want you to listen very closely. In today's world, we have equated blessing of God with his okay or his, uh, he, he's all right with how we are. But I want to tell you, you can be blessed of God and go straight to hell. Oh, we don't like to talk about that. Surely not. Surely not. There, there's not a chance. Yes, because there is only one covenant that God has made with you and I today, and we're going to get to that here in a minute. But there is one covenant, and you can be outside the covenant, and God may still bless you. That's why at the very end of time, the Bible says that some are going to stand in judgment and say, Lord, Lord, we preached in your name. We prophesied in your name. There were even miracles done in our ministry. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because you may be able to pray for the sick and they recover. But if you're not in the covenant, you're not going to heaven. Just because you look at your life and you see some blessing in your life and you've got money in the bank and you've got a nice home and you have all of that does not mean you're in his covenant. But this world has flipped it. The, the, the churches has flipped it. The churches has flipped that says if God loves you, he'll bless you. And if God loves you, then you're just automatically in heaven. We, we talk about that prosperity gospel that people like to preach and we use phrases like all you got to do is name it and claim it or blab it and grab it. I, 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 just, I, I want to just, just, just tell you that being blessed is not enough. Just because in some aspects of your life things are going right doesn't mean you're okay. Ishmael proves that to us today that that Ishmael was, was, he heard from God. God heard his cry. God answered some of his prayer requests. But he was not the covet, in the covenant. It was Isaac. And today I want to tell somebody that you have got to be wary of the blessing lest it derail you from making sure you're in the covenant. This might be why the Lord said, it's easier for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God 
or, or it's, it's easier for a, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean rich people can't go to heaven. It doesn't mean that I would enjoy to have, you know, money and make sure, you know, I got money in the bank and uh, got a little bit extra to buy some fishing tackle. But the problem is too many people stop with the blessing. And they say, oh, I must be blessed. Everything I touch turns to gold. And all of us have people that we've seen like that. They just can't seem to make a mistake when it comes financially. Or they can't seem to make a mistake when they do this or that. But just because they're blessed doesn't mean they're saved. Because saving comes with a covenant. There's other covenants that you find in the Bible. I, I, I would take you, let me, let me bring you... Uh, uh, to the book of Exodus. Turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 19. In the book of Exodus chapter 19, you begin to see the, the covenant that God begins to make with the children of Israel. This is the promise. Remember, God had told Abram that, that, that your, your, your descendants are going to gonna go down to Egypt and they're going to be there for 400 years and they're going to live in a land that's not theirs. I didn't promise them Egypt. I promised them Canaan's land where you are, Abraham. But you know how it is because Joseph was sold into slavery and goes into Potiphar's house in the prison and finally becomes second in command of Egypt and brings his family down there and for a while they live in luxury and they live in blessing but that was not the promise. And finally there arose a Pharaoh one day that didn't know the works that, that they had done and so he puts them into bondage and they live there and now you have the ten plagues, you have the exodus and this, this, this nation of, of Israelites that God has called out is standing at Mount Sinai and God begins to speak to them and God says I, I'm, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You can read it in verse 5 says, now therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. For all of the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then, this is, this is Moses up in the mountain. And, and right after that, Moses receives the Ten Commandments and other laws. It's part of the covenant. Remember, covenant is an agreement between two people. That if you do this, I will do this. Kind of like a, a covenant when you buy a car. You go and you sign the paperwork and this is the covenant. If you'll pay this monthly or at least pay this fully, the car is yours. If you don't pay that, that wrecker truck comes up and it picks up your car and it takes your car away and you get repossessed. It's a covenant. And God said, and, and so listen, if... That, those are the stipulations. If you'll obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people, for the earth is mine, and, the, and, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Beautiful. It's incredible. Exodus chapter 20, you, you, you have this. But it doesn't take very long. See, here's what we forget. We kind of get the timeline of what, what Moses did a little off. Moses went up, got the Ten Commandments, came down, told the people, but then God called him right back up, and the Bible says that he stayed up there for 40 days and 40 nights while God gave him this set of moral laws and this set of civic laws because, remember, this was a nation of slaves. They had no idea how to govern themselves. They had lived under the rule 
of Pharaoh for so long, they had no idea how to come out and make their own cities and make their own uh, uh, ability to rule themselves. If, if they weren't careful, and, and I know it sounds crazy, but there's even rules in the Bible about where they should, how, how they should go to the bathroom and where all that should be because if they wouldn't have followed the, the, the wording of God, they would have been like wild animals and disease would have ran through the camp of three million people and they would have just lived and, and died. It would have been awful. It would have been like the Middle Ages and the plague. But God gets Moses up there for 40 days and 40 nights and he's, he, he's just kind of making sure Moses knows how to lead these people. He comes down after 40 days and 40 nights and, and, and you get this. I, first off, I need you to, before, I, before we, we, we show you what happens when he comes down, I need you to go to chapter 24. I need you to look at Exodus chapter 24 and I need you to, to uh, look at, chapter, at verse 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. Now watch this. And the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord hath spoken we will do. The Lord presented a covenant and, and with one voice they said, We will follow that covenant. Now the covenant was more than this, but let's just go back to the, uh, the Ten Commandments. There, there's one Lord. Shall not make any golden images or carved images. Don't make any idols. Don't make any representations of God. You know all that. Moses, after, after the children of Israel said it, and they said it several times, we will do it all. Moses goes up into the mountain, and he begins to hear the voice of God and gets all of those, and you go a little bit further. Basically, 40 days have passed. You get to, to Exodus chapter 32. Moses is talking to God and all of a sudden God stops and says, what is going on down there? Moses runs down the mountain and what are they doing? Dancing around a golden calf. They didn't even get 40 days into their covenant and they're already disobeying uh, for sure commandment number two and probably commandment number one as well. They broke the commandments all through the Old Testament. They're breaking the commandments. There, there's places in the Bible where it, it just proves that, that they couldn't carry the weight of that covenant. There's no way they could have ever measured up because we're so sinful, we're so broken as humans that they, they couldn't do it. And, and so finally you get to the book of Jeremiah and would you turn with me, Jeremiah, and I, I want you to look at, at chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 and this is what it says. Look at, or, or chapter 30, yeah, chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. For my covenant, that's the one they broke, even though I was their husbands, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each other brothers saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. A covenant. 
And so it is, you begin to look through the the Bible and you begin to look through the book of Hebrews and and you begin to get into Hebrews, which is all about this new covenant. Hebrews is about the the greatness and how how that Jesus is greater than all that has ever been. But if you will, I need you to uh, uh, look at chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews and it quotes word for word Jeremiah chapter 31. Remember, God gave the law. God gave the law and he he carved it on two stone tablets. Right? You know, I mean, that's that's how we, most of our picture of what happened in in, in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 20 comes either from uh, the the, the old movie, The Ten Commandments with Charles Heston. You know, that's kind of our view of it. Or if you've ever been blessed to see uh, uh, Moses at Sight and Sound Theater in, in Branson, you get that look. He comes down with those two big tablets. But the Lord said, I'm not going to write it on tablets of stone anymore. This covenant that I'm going to make with the people, it's not going to be something that I write on tables of stone and Moses has to teach it, but instead I'm going to write my covenant and I'm going to write my law into the hearts of each one of them. The way to understand that is to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 begins to kind of teach us and lead us. Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says this in verse 3, And you show that you are a letter from Christ, Delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tables of stone, but on tables of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ Jesus towards God. That not we are, that, that, that not, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as to coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God who made it sufficient for us to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Those Ten Commandments, they couldn't, they couldn't follow up with it. They, the, the Ten Commandments told them what to do, but there was nothing that changed their heart so they could do it. But I, I don't have time, and I'm running out of time. I could spend hours on this, but you have to look through the book of Hebrews, and you have to see how closely the book of Hebrews links towards the Gospels that this new covenant came when Jesus walked down on this earth, when God said, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to provide a sacrifice that is going to be sufficient for all of mankind no longer will it be the blood of bulls and goats no longer are you going to come and offer a sacrifice at the house of God but instead God said I will become flesh and I will dwell among them and I will live as them and I will be like them yet without sin so that the, the, the flesh could die on a cross and that death on the cross sealed a covenant 
the covenant that it sealed, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, it bought our salvation. And with the death, you and I can repent of our sins. With the burial of Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are buried with him in the waters of baptism. And when we are buried, they say over us, in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says in that name of Jesus, when it's called over you in the waters of baptism, it grafts you in to the vine that Christ is. It allows you and I to have access to that covenant. Bible says just as Christ raised from the dead so you and I ought to rise in newness of life and that we might receive that spirit Uh, Romans chapter 8 says it's the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father you and I once belonged to the devil he was our father the prince and the power of the air we walked according to what the devil said we walked according to our flesh and the sinful ways and none of us could ever get righteousness our righteousness was as filthy rags but when I came down to an altar and I knelt down and I said God I'm going to give you my life and I'm going to give you my sin forgive me of all of those shortcomings the Lord came down and he said I want you for my own and he filled Brandon Paul Buford with the gift of the Holy Ghost and I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave us utterance and because of that I have the right to lift my hands and say Abba Father Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, what must I do, Master, to have eternal life? What Nicodemus was asking is, how do I get in the covenant? I won't go to heaven. What do I have to do? You go out to buy a car. You find the car you like. Hopefully it's the price you want. This is what you usually say when you get to the end of the negotiation. What do we got to do to make this happen? They bring out the paperwork and you do exactly what they say and the car is yours. The Lord says, you want this covenant of salvation? You want this covenant that will allow you to walk to the streets of gold whenever your time comes to end? What must I do? Well, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So it seems to reason that if everybody else in the Old Testament had to follow the covenant exactly in order for it to come to pass, and if they didn't follow it, then all of a sudden that covenant was broken and it didn't matter anymore. Then it seems to matter if I want to be in the covenant with Jesus Christ today, if I want to make it to heaven when that trumpet sounds, or when I breathe my final breath here on earth, if I want to make it to heaven, I better follow what the one who made the covenant said. You must be born of the water, that's baptism, and born of the Spirit, that's the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Let's bring it full circle. But I'm a good man, I pay my tithes. I pray. I haven't killed anybody lately. I, 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 don't, I don't cuss. I, I, don't, I don't cheat. I do ever, I'm a good moral man. But being blessed is not enough. But I've been married to my wife for 48 years. We, we, I've never cheated on her. I've never had a bad thought about cheating on her. I'm doing everything good and moral. But I, I see the story of Ishmael. And I see the story of of Isaac and I begin to understand that you can be Ishmael and be blessed 
but not be in the covenant. I'm here to tell you today that it matters whether you follow the covenant. Jesus said, he that believeth shall be saved. Because that's the first and foremost thing for you to accept the terms of the covenant. You've got to believe that he can make the covenant happen. There's a, a car dealership down the road. I'm not going to say the name just to not disparage it, but if you read the news, you can find it. A car dealership down the road, 79. They were selling cars, and they would, they would sell you your car, and they'd let you take it off the lot, and they'd say, we'll get you your title tomorrow. Problem was, months went by, and they kept giving excuses about the title. And there's people that have cars they can't do anything with. And, and the, the, the state of Missouri got involved and some other things got involved and they had, they've shut that entire operation down and they're now trying to figure out what are they going to do with all these people that have cars and no titles. If you don't trust the one that's able to fulfill the covenant, you'll never go through with it. So believing in Jesus Christ is first and foremost. You've got to believe that he's God, manifest in the flesh, came to die for your sins and rise again so that you can have life more abundantly. Can I tell you, nothing else matters until you get that in your mind. I believe in you. So I will tell you today, I absolutely believe that, that and, 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 and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved if you believe. But Jesus didn't keep it there. Because it's not enough just to assume and say, I believe this car dealership is going to give me a car if I sign the paperwork. You've got to actually get in there and do some negotiation and you've got to sign the paperwork, which is why Jesus said this, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Because you've got to put your money where your mouth is and you've got to say, I believe it enough that I want you to wash my sins away. And then... I love what Paul said to some of the disciples of John the Baptist there in Acts chapter 19. He came up to them. They were good men. That's key. They were good men. They were devout men. He said in the first part of Acts chapter 19, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now they answered good. They said, we don't know what you're talking about. We've not heard of that yet. But because they believed, they were willing to hear the whole gospel. And so it was that they said, well, tell me about it. And, Pete and Paul began to tell him about it. And by the time Paul got done telling, he laid his hands on them. And they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Because it matters that you believe. It matters that you were baptized. It matters that you repent of your sin. It matters that you were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because that is the only way that you can partake of the covenant. And I'd like to tell you today. That when that trumpet finally sounds or when the, the, the world ends, there's going to be a lot of blessed people that won't walk on those streets of gold. There'll be a lot of people that were good. There'll be a lot of people that went to church. There'll be a lot of people that never missed a day of church in their life. But they're Ishmael's. They look the part. But they were not following the covenant. And if you try to get into heaven 
any other way than the way the word of the Lord tells you to, you're an Ishmael. There's no way around the word of God. You can't get a handmaid and and, and go have a baby through Hagar and get around what God said. God had a plan from the very beginning of time to right now. And the way you do it is what uh, Peter said best. And he kind of, I've told you a lot, but Peter summed it up. He said, you want to know how you're saved? Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the removal of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call it's not enough to be blessed you've got to be in the covenant you've got to do what the covenant says and you've heard the words today and I want us to stand all across this building hallelujah hallelujah You're not going to be able to. I mean, you, you, you saw how Abraham said, God, I, I know you're going to make me a father of a great nation. And, and I've already helped you out, Lord. I've already kind of worked some magic on my end. And I've got Ishmael. Why don't you just let Ishmael be the covenant? Remember me reading that earlier? There's a lot of people that are going to stand before judgment. And they're going to say, Lord, I, I, I helped you out. I, I decided that as long as I came to the front... To, of a church and I, I made a public confession that you're my, 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 my Lord and Savior that, that, that I'm okay and the Lord's going to look at you just like he did Abraham he's going to say well good you had some blessing because of that but my covenant is with Isaac he's going to say my covenant is what I said in the word of God it's more than just confessing him to be your Lord and Savior it's more than just Believing in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You got to look at the whole counsel of the Bible. And you got to follow it. I want you to just begin to lift your hands right now. I've preached the word as best I know how. And now you need to let God begin to speak to you. I believe he's confirming some things you've been reading. Confirming some things you've been studying. Just making sure you hear it. And right now, the voice of the Lord is ringing in your ears. And you've got to decide, am I going to be Ishmael? Blessed but lost? Am I going to be Isaac where I'm going to have that promise of the Father?